Thank you for listening to this message from Southridge Community Church, located in Clinton, New Jersey. We hope God speaks to you through this message today and that you find new ways to apply His Word to your life. Additional messages and more information can be found on southridgecc.org. So let's get started. We're going to dive right in, and why don't we stand together and pray? Uh, Sometimes we stand to read scripture, sometimes we stand to pray, not every time, but periodically that is helpful, and we do that simply to kind of offer ourselves to God. We stand in his presence, he does not stand in our presence. Uh, We offer ourselves before him, we come before him and say, teach us, Uh, we do not teach the Lord. And so sometimes in the Old Testament, people would come and stand before the Lord and offer themselves to him. And so this is kind of a symbolic gesture of us doing that. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time to gather here online in our auditorium, wherever we may be. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. We pray that in student ministries and children and groups, that your Holy Spirit would be at work, that your Holy Spirit would make alive what is taught, that your Holy Spirit would enable us to see that which we would not otherwise see. Lord, we come and we offer ourselves to you. We stand before you as your servants, as the ones that you teach. May we learn, may we humble ourselves and receive from you what you would have. We ask that in the name of Jesus, our Savior, amen. amen. You can be seated. Well, it was uh, several months ago, I'm not exactly sure when, I was actually listening to a podcast, and the speaker from the podcast, I think he was from Australia, was talking about some of the challenges of going through the pandemic and some of the chaos and disruption in our world. He offered some comments that I'm not sure I particularly like or maybe even agree with. I'm not sure. They were somewhat disturbing, but I offer to you what he said, particularly coming out of the pandemic and all of that disruption. Again, he is not from the United States. He was from Australia, so he does have an international perspective and an international focus. And what he said was simply this. He said, it's rather interesting that in the course of the pandemic, we certainly felt that life in some ways began to unravel. It became unpredictable. There were challenges with supply lines. There were challenges with waiting for various services that we often come to expect are automatically guaranteed to us. And then he pointed out this fact. He said, you know, we particularly in the West, referring to North America and particularly the United States, maybe Western Europe, He said, over the last century or so, we have actually had, according to world history, an unparalleled time of stability, of predictability, and of things going relatively well. And his point was, that's actually not the norm. It's sort of the norm for you and I who live in this particular time and over the last course of the last century, we kind of think the norm of rest, 
of predictability, of stability, of things being in order. We generally think that's the norm. But the point of this speaker was, that's actually abnormal. Sort of as you look at world history, as you look at all of global civilization, unpredictability, chaos, disruption, uncertainty are actually more often the norm of humanity. And so we've gotten accustomed to a norm, thinking that it's a norm, but our norm is actually abnormal. Uh, things generally are often more predictable. And this speaker was kind of alluding to the fact that he feels like a, a, an increased level of unpredictability and instability will be entering our world. I'm not sure whether that's true or not. But what I do know is this. The people that the letter of Revelation was written to that we're going to be looking at this morning were people who are going through a time of chaos. Not necessarily the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was doing great. But because they were followers of Jesus, their lives were being impacted. Their lives were being disrupted. And John actually writes the letter of Revelation to tell them, yes, there's still something that's stable. There's there's something that's secure. We're going to be diving in to the book of Revelation. Now, here's the deal, friends, and just kind of like try to be honest and forthright about this. Uh, Every survey that's asked of people who attend church, if you ask them, hey, what do you want to study at church? Pretty much every survey right at the top of people who attend church is we want to understand, we want to know, we want to dive into the book of Revelation. That's pretty much the norm. But the other side is that if you look at every survey that's ever done with a pastor or pastors, and you say to them, what do you least want to talk about? What do you least want to dive into? What do you most want to stay away from? It's actually the book of Revelation. And so every survey has people saying, yes, we want to hear about the book of Revelation, but every survey of pastors pretty much says, "Ah, we don't want to go there. Uh, and so been pastoring here for a number of years, and periodically we've brought in some guest speakers. Maybe they've covered the book of Revelation in a broad swath for you know, a couple of weeks, maybe four or five weeks. And each time I think it's been enriching and it's been helpful. Uh, but as we've kind of talked as a teaching team and as I've kind of wrestled through things, I think it's kind of time for us to dive in to the book of Revelation. And we're really excited to do that. And here's the deal. I really pray that this series roots and grounds us in God's truth. I think there are things that often impact us when it comes to the book of Revelation, and some, many of them are not helpful. Maybe it's movies or books or popular media or things of that nature that kind of actually detract us from the true intent of what Revelation is trying to offer us. And so my prayer is that this would be a deeply formational time in the life of our church. It would not simply be informational, but that it would be formational, that our lives would become more deeply rooted and grounded in God's grace and truth. 
And we're going to be diving into that here on Sunday morning. It's going to be a little bit of a challenge because you quite honestly can spend lots of time on explanation, but we also need application. So we're going to try to be bouncing that throughout the series. But we're actually not going to tiptoe through this. Uh, we're going to study Revelation 1 and 2 from now through the end of November. I'm sorry, 1 through 3. Uh, in, in December, during the Christmas season, we'll do Revelation 4 and 5. There's some themes there that we can connect to the Christmas story. Uh, next year, 2023, from January through probably the end of April, we'll go through the rest of Revelation. So this is not just a quick overview, quick survey, quick pass through Revelation. We'll actually be digging in deeply. And I would just really encourage you and challenge you to dig in as deeply as you possibly can. Uh, Jer mentioned that we, one of the groups that we offer, kind of one major campus groups is SR Midweek that happens on Wednesday evening. Uh, we'll be having some video talks, some people who share. We'll be having some table discussion. We're going to be diving into Revelation during that time as well. A number of our life groups are using some of our curriculum that we've developed to dive into it. So I would encourage you, dive in, explore, investigate, and may this season of time truly be formational in our lives and in our church. Friends, that is my deep prayer. And so here we go into the book of Revelation. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 1, verses, verses 1 through 8 this morning. Uh, there's a ton there. Uh, again, we'll try to dive into some stuff, but we'll cover a number of background issues throughout our, this next several weeks uh, because... We can't all cover it in one time, so we'll cover a number of background issues throughout the next several weeks as we look at the book of Revelation. But I'm going to ask Emmanuel to come, and he's going to read Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Uh, Emmanuel, appropriately, that name means God with us. Uh, he, as I mentioned this summer, he read for us. Uh, he often read scripture at churches where their services would be three hours long. So um, that won't be the case here, but Emmanuel, uh, let's read Revelation 1, 1 through 8. You can feel free to turn there in your Bibles. You can tune in and listen along, uh, however is helpful. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from, who, from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look. He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierce him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, 
who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen. Thank you, Emmanuel. We're going to look at three things this morning. Uh, number one, revelations unraveling. When I say revelations, I don't mean plural in terms of the word. It's the revelation of Jesus, but the revelation kind of apostrophe, yes. Revelations unraveling, veiling, revelations depth, and revelations closest. First, right out of the chute, the second word in our English translation is the revelation. That's actually the first word in the Greek text. And it's literally from the very first word of the Greek text that we get the name of the book, Revelation. Revelation is the Greek word apocalypsis, apocalypsis. And what that means is disclosing, unveiling, taking that which is hidden and enabling it to be seen. And so this revelation is Jesus himself unveiling, disclosing, bringing out of, hiding, if you will, that which he desires. He's enabling us to see things more clearly. And what's going to happen throughout the book of Revelation, we're going to see things more clearly, not from an earthly perspective, but from the vantage point of heaven, from a vantage point that we don't have. And so that's what the book of Revelation is about. The other day I was driving home, I think it was actually driving home from the church office. And as I was driving, the sun was at such an angle at my windshield that I suddenly realized I had a hard time seeing. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Uh, you kind of, just the way that it's not, it's kind of like sun glare, but you're driving into the sun and the film that was kind of hiding my vision was actually inside of my windshield. It wasn't outside. And it actually kind of scared me because I was literally driving along and there were some people walking on the opposite side of the road and I wasn't even close to hitting them or anything. But I just, like, I didn't see them coming. I didn't see it until I was right on them. And thankfully, I was driving in my lane. Everything was okay. But I realized my vision was blurred. They were hidden. They were not disclosed to me. It was actually so severe and it kind of concerned me so much that when I got home, I actually grabbed some Windex and cleaned off the inside of my windshield when I got home. Why? Because I needed to see clearly. I had to understand and perceive what is there. That's what the book of Revelation is going to do. This word is not the only place that it's used in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 through 27, here's, the word, here's some places where the word revelation or apocalypso is also used. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Verse 27, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Hear the word reveal, same word that the book of Revelation is named after. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asks Peter, Peter, who, who am I? 
Peter answers in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Here's Jesus' response in verse 17. Then Simon, uh, then Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you, again, same word, to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Here's a couple things that stick out to me. Number one, we're clearly led in a direction right out of the chute, not only from the way that it's used in the book of Revelation, but from other places in scripture, that the revelation is not simply informational. It's not simply knowledge. Jesus proclaimed to everyone who he was. He proclaimed to everyone that he was divine. That was something he mentioned very often. But what he says is, Peter You didn't really figure out the true meaning of that. That wasn't revealed to you. That wasn't disclosed to you in its fullness. It was disclosed to you only by my spirit. Here's the deal, friends. As we go through Revelation, yes, there's probably going to be some helpful information. We want that to be the case. My my hope is that we all gain some knowledge. But there has got to be a work of God's spirit that unveils God's truth, that causes it to make a difference and transform our lives. It's not just information disclosure. It's not just here are all the answers. Instead, there's something about the revelation of Jesus that transforms us, not as as though we simply hear information, but as that truth is made real in our hearts and souls by the Holy Spirit. Notice, it's pretty bizarre, actually. This revelation is from Jesus Christ. A number of times in the first eight verses, we're told that this revelation, this disclosure, it doesn't come from any old source. Instead, it comes from Jesus Christ. Later on, down in verses 5 and 6, or I'm sorry, verses 4 and 5, it talks about grace and peace to you from him who was, who is, who was, and is to come. From the seven spirits, or we might say the seven-fold spirit before the throne, and from Jesus Christ. The Trinity is mentioned, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the revelation from the divine being. As a result of that, it's secure. It's something you can lock your life into. Why is that important? Well, it's important because every single day in your life and in my life, you are bombarded with revelation. Your heart, your soul, your spirit, your being, you are constantly consuming revelation. You're constantly being pulled in a certain direction. You're constantly being fed information. You're constantly being asked to buy into some particular vision. In John's day, when he wrote this to the churches, and we'll talk about them probably next week, when John wrote this, the message they were getting, the revelation, if you will, from Rome was simply this. Remember, Rome is the longest standing empire in world history. Depending on how you date it, probably lasted about a thousand years. Our country is only just over 200 years. I mean, it's a drop in the bucket. Rome was substantial. Rome was weighty. What Rome revealed mattered. And so if you were not sort of buying into the revelation that following after Rome, that worshiping the emperor, that pledging loyalty to Rome first and foremost, 
If you don't buy into that revelation that that would bring you peace, that would bring you prosperity, that would bring you life, you are kind of left out. And so that's the revelation that was being taught by Rome. Hey, we're powerful, we're mighty. If you give allegiance to us, your life will be prosperous. Your life will be good. Your life will be wonderful. Your life will be blessed. And into that, Jesus is saying, not so fast. Rome is not the appropriate source of revelation. Instead, this is the revelation of and from Jesus Christ. Later on, down in verse 6, it says, to him who loved us and freed us from our sins by his blood. And just kind of think about this in terms of the competing narrative of Rome's revelation with the revelation of Jesus. And he has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Can you, can you hear the contrast of competing revelations? The revelation of Rome Rome is great. Pledge allegiance and your life will be blessed. You'll be powerful. You'll be mighty. You'll be strong. The revelation of Jesus is you're a kingdom of priests called to serve God our Father. To him be glory, power forever and ever. That's the revelation of Jesus. Here's what I want to ask you, friends. What revelation is making its way into your life? Here's what my concern is, and I think all of our concern should be. Many of us receive our revelation more from things like social media than we do from Scripture. More of us receive revelation from what the news commentators say rather than the truth of Scripture. Where do you receive your revelation? And just think about our world and how we operate One side says our revelation is that the vaccine will help you and be your savior. The other side says our revelation is that the vaccine won't help and is in fact damaging. One side says our revelation is here's what's behind the investigations at Mar-a-Lago. Another side says, no, here's what Trump actually has. It's competing revelations. This is the revelation of what is happening with climate change. The other side says, this is what is happening. This is the revelation of the agenda behind those pushing climates. Listen, friends, you are caught in the vortex of competing revelations every single day of your life. This is the revelation about gun violence. The other side says, this is the revelation of of what's going to happen if guns are limited. You are caught in a competition of revelation. This is what's going to happen if you receive an education. You are bombarded with every commercial you watch on TV is proposing revelation to you. If you do this, we'll make unhidden the benefits that will be appropriate for your life. If you buy into this product, if you drive this car, if you pursue this kind of prosperity, we'll disclose, we'll unhide, we'll reveal the beauty and wonder of what you're going to experience. It's revelation. Some of you may have watched the uh, mass Singer on TV. 
And so these people are full costume and they sing and people kind of guess who it is that's singing. And at the end, sort of there's a big reveal. There's a big revelation. It's, it's undisclosed. It's, it's unhidden. It's made real. It's put out there who this person actually is. So friends, what I want to simply say to you is this. Your mind, your heart, your soul, your body, your spirit are constantly consuming revelation. What revelation is going to serve as the foundation for your life? Is it the revelation mediated through popular media? Is it the revelation mediated through the cultural narrative? Is it the revelation mediated through economic prosperity? And here's how your life will look if you make this financial investment. Or is your life based on the revelation that comes from Jesus Christ? Is your revelation, is your life based on the revelation that comes from the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And no matter what kind of revelation bombards us from the outside, politically or personally, or in your own life circumstances, whatever it is, it actually gives way to the revelation of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because Jesus is the faithful witness. It's his revelation. It's his unfolding. It's his disclosure of the way that things really are that is actually true. It's revelation and the unveiling. Revelation's depth. Let's dive into that. Revelation's depth. Verse 3 says this. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take heart. There's a promise of blessing. Now, here's, the, here's what I want to dive into. This blessing is not just surface level. This blessing goes deep. Because remember, the revelation of Rome is simply this. Here's how your life will look if you follow after Rome. Here's how your life will look if you pledge loyalty to Caesar. It will be blessed. And guess what? That was actually true on a surface and immediate level for citizens of Rome. If they pledged allegiance to Rome, if they pledged allegiance to the emperor, uh, they usually typically had better jobs. They had access to more kinds of goods. They had better social circles in which to navigate and make connections. If you did not pledge allegiance to Rome, if you did not pledge allegiance to Caesar, well, then sometimes you didn't get the job. Sometimes your family did go hungry. Sometimes family members were fed to the lines. And that John is saying from Jesus that blessed is the one who reads this and follows it. So John is saying the blessedness is not simply superficial. It's not simply surface level. Because you would say that those who follow after Rome, those who pledge allegiance to Rome, their lives are more prosperous. Their lives are blessed externally. But John is saying there's a deeper level of blessing. If you dive into the revelation of who Jesus is, the truth of the way that things actually operate, your life will truly be blessed. 
You'll understand that you belong to the one who loves you and freed you from your sins, who has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve the God and Father. So my question to you for this is, what's your path? What's your process toward blessing? What's your journey toward blessing? Is your journey toward blessing, is your journey toward grace and peace and blessing, does that come through your career? Does your journey toward grace and peace and blessing, does that come through your retirement account? Does your journey toward grace and peace and blessing, does that come from your financial account? Does that come from circumstances going well? Does that come from the right circle of friends? Does that come through the compliments of others? Does that come through education? Does that come through having a spouse or having a children or make sure your spouse or your children meet your needs or make all the right decisions? What does your blessing, what does your grace and peace come from? Does it come from the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Or does your blessing actually come? Does your grace and peace actually come from what this world reveals, financial success, personal success, personal well-being, or does it come from being rooted and grounded in the truth that you belong to Jesus Christ as his son and as his daughter? Now, here's the deal. One of the things I also love about this is is notice that um, it says a number of times that we are his servants. I'm going to just jump back to verse 1 in Revelation 1.1. It says, from the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. Notice when it says his servants, that pretty much means every listener that's going to be hearing this. In other words, this blessing isn't somehow sort of restricted to the scholastic, academic, intellectual few who can sort of pick apart all of Revelation and figure it out. No, the blessing is actually meant for servants, plural, the average person to whom this letter was written. That should be an encouragement to you. The the richness of revelation, the blessing of revelation is not for those seated in some kind of library setting, figuring it all out. This book should be accessible to us. It's intended to bless you and me as normal, average, everyday human beings. But here's the deal. One of the connotations that we have for the word apocalypse is that it has like weird sort of things. There's crazy metaphors, crazy symbols, crazy visions. And so what's going to happen in the book of Revelation that we're going to dive into is simply this. The book of Revelation uses lots of metaphors and symbols from particularly the Old Testament, but from the whole of Scripture to talk about what's happening, which means this. It's, it's designed to be accessible to us, but it's going to be a little bit of a challenge because we got to understand what those metaphors and what those symbols and what those visions, what they mean in their cultural context. Let me give you some ideas of how this works. Um, you know, maybe you're a baseball fan, and periodically in baseball we say things like this, man, that guy crushed the ball. Like, I've actually gotten a home run ball at a, a major league ballpark, And guess what? It was still round. It wasn't crushed. Now, if you were from, not from our culture, and you heard somebody crush the ball, you would probably expect, like, I guess it's going to look like a golf ball or something. I don't know. But that's not what we mean when we say he crushed the ball. 
It's, you know, this week the NFL launches its games. Here's some language that you might hear. He threw an absolute bomb. You know what? There are no bombs in NFL stadiums. Like that's checked at the gate. You're not, but let's, he threw a bomb. Sometimes we say he threads a needle. There's two defenders, and the quarterback threads the needle. He puts it in the receiver's hands between the defenders. That's metaphorical language, a symbolic language that you and I understand well because we live in this culture. We say other things. You say, man, like he tore it up. Like, he probably didn't tear up anything. He crushed it. He killed it. Sometimes we say this, man, he smoked it. Right? Like, we say, like he's, he's, man, that... He smoked that thing. Maybe you smoke a test. Like, if you're from another culture, that makes no sense. That's exactly the way that we need to approach Revelation. The reason it often doesn't make sense to us is because we're not familiar with the cultural image and symbols that are being used. And so it's accessible to all of us, absolutely 100% yes, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily always going to be easy. But what we're going to need to do is dive in to the language of Scripture in total because that's actually what John is using to express his revelation. We've got to become conversant in those symbols, those metaphors, those ideas, because that's the cultural background that John is using. And so, you know, even things like smoke, in the Scripture, that metaphor is often used. Smoke is used in Revelation. We use smoke, as I said, in our everyday language. Like he smoked it. We understand what that means, so we're going to need to dive into that. Here's what I want you to say, friends. Here's what I want you to realize. Where do you get your grace, your peace, and your blessing? Do you hope that it comes from the superficial level of, hey, our cultural revelation says, here's how my life is going to be blessed. Here's how my life can have grace and peace. Yes, there's a cultural narrative that says, here's the path to doing that. But are you going to go into the deeper level blessing of revelation where John says, yeah, like you might have face starvation, Your family might be fed to the lions, but John would say, make no mistake about it, you are still blessed because there's something hidden that's not seen. That's Revelation's depth. Lastly, Revelation's closeness, closeness, real quickly. Revelation's closeness. You know, twice in these verses, once in verse 4, well, I'll just read part of it. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. We'll kind of cover some of that stuff next week. Again, there's tons of background information. We'll kind of chunk our way through that as we go along. Grace and peace to you. Listen to this. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. Down in verse 8, same thing. I am Alpha and the Omega. By the way, those are the beginning and first letters of the Greek alphabet, says the Lord God. Who is and who was and who is to come. I don't know if you'll pick this up or or not, but as you read that, is there something that doesn't quite make sense to you? Or that it it naturally falls off your tongue a different way than the way that it's written? Anybody? Here's here's what strikes me. I would naturally think, would say, I am Alpha and Omega, says the Lord, who was and who is and who is to come. Like it's chronological, right? I mean, that's how we would naturally express it. 
Uh, the Lord who was, who is, and who is to come. Isn't it interesting that that's not what it says? It actually says who is and was and is to come, which means this. John wants to put a point on the fact that this Lord is present and active now. Theologically, it's just as accurate to say who was and is and is to come. I mean, that's just, that's theologically accurate. It makes more sense and it's kind of go chronologically. John doesn't do that. He says who is and who was and he is to come. In other words, friends, here's what I want you to know. God is active at this very moment. It's theologically true that God was, that he is, and he is to come. But John wants to put a fine point on this idea. This is the God, this triune God of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the God who is. He is present at this very moment. His power impacts our world at this very moment. Down in verse 7, he says, look, he is coming in with the clouds. It's a quote from Daniel chapter 7, by the way. As I mentioned, there's going to be multitudes of, of Old Testament connections through these verses. Here's one right here. He is coming in the clouds. Daniel chapter 7, we'll dive into that further on in Revelation. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. That's from Zephaniah. And so right out of the chute, John is pulling things from, from different people. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. From Old Testament to New Testament, John is saying, this is the God who is. He draws on images. He draws on metaphors. He draws on symbols. And he says, this is the, this is the truth about how things really are. And so the question for us is, what's the truth that we're going to lean into. I'm going to ask Sam and our team to come, and we're going to close our service by singing the song that mentions, it is well with my soul, because we stand on the solid rock of God's truth. It's firm, it's secure. You are bombarded with revelation 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Your soul and your spirit is constantly being bombarded with revelation. May your soul, may your spirit be fed by the revelation that comes from Jesus. Let's stand and sing the song together and remind ourselves that that is indeed our solid rock, uh, that that is Jesus is the one. It's his revelation that we receive and on which we base our lives. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when so Hey. Mm -hmm.
God, we thank you that you reveal that it can be well with our soul because you are in charge. It's not well with our soul because our circumstances are well, but the rock on which we stand is your faithfulness. It's your truthfulness. And so may our lives be rooted and grounded in you. May social media, political commentators, the news media, may they not be your source of revelation. May you, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may you be the source of a revelation of what is true. And may our lives be based on you. We ask that in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and everyone who agreed said, amen. amen. Uh, our prayer team is down here to the right. We'd love to pray for you any way that we can. Uh, God bless and have a wonderful day. Stay dry. There's readers outside. Enjoy that.